Hello, and welcome to the NAB Security Podcast. I'm Tara for Enterprise Security, and this series has been created to discuss security issues that might impact you, our customers. We speak with experts on a range of security topics to share environmental insights and tips on how you can keep yourself, your family, and your business safe. Last episode, we spoke with Abigail Bradshaw, head of the Australian Cyber Security Centre, and David West, head of NAB Cyber Defence Team, and they talk through ransomware and the increase in incidents and impacts from the events on Australians, in particular on Australian businesses. They covered off a wide range of topics and something that I thought was really interesting and important is that most ransomware events start with a phishing email. Abigail and David both spoke about the importance of having a cybersecurity awareness program And this is something that many of our guests have discussed. So in this episode, we're going to talk about the what, why and how of setting up a cybersecurity program in your business so that you and your staff have a head start in identifying anything suspicious that comes across your desks. We're also going to mix it up a little bit today. And we have Laura Hartley, my boss, who is manager of NAB's advisory and awareness team. You might recall Laura from our very first episode where we discussed business email compromise. And Laura's going to be firing off the questions and then myself and the very talented Carissa Breen, or KB as she's commonly known, who's the founder and CEO of KBI Media, a Marcoms agency that specialises in cybersecurity uh, with technology companies. Thanks both for joining and Laura, over to you. Great. Thanks, Tara. I'm so excited to step into your hosting shoes for today. Uh, so today we've re- reversed the roles and I have Tara joining me, who you all know is the host of this podcast, but is also a senior consultant in NAB Security Advisory and Awareness Team, uh, which drives employee and aware- customer awareness on cyber and fraud. And Carissa, thanks for joining us both. Thanks, thanks for having Tara. me. Really excited. Fantastic. So we all know, uh, seeing we work in this industry, that having technical controls to protect your business from cyber attacks is really important. But of course, we can't forget the human element of cybersecurity. And in the last few years, I've really noticed that understanding of why human security awareness is so important, that's really taken off. So Tara, I'll go to you first. Uh, Could you tell us a bit about why um, and what a cybersecurity awareness program is? Yeah, I sure can. Thanks, Laura. So essentially what might sound like a pretty fancy um, set of activities, a cyber security awareness program, it can be broken down into, I think, three main concepts. And those are that employees are a critical part of your cyber safety strategy. So every employee with access to either your business data or the internet really needs to know how they can help keep your business safe and what is their role in that. A cybersecurity program is also established to put clear cyber safety guidelines and policies in place that the business can operate uh, or implement into their normal operating processes. And it's also important to make it easy for employees to practice um, cyber safety because I'm sure we're going to jump into a little bit about how criminals are targeting employees or humans and therefore the role that us as humans, we have in defending against these cyber threats. 
Thanks, Tara. So over to you, KB. You work with a lot of businesses on cybersecurity. Um, so what do you find to be the appetite for businesses to adopt a cybersecurity awareness program? Yeah, that's really an interesting one. I think that sort of depends on the mindset of the business. So, for example, I personally work with a lot of tech startups that are very cognizant of the fact that cybersecurity is important. And I guess sort of from the inception of creating in their business, they really do strive to embed uh, embed a lot of processes and policies from a security point of view. I think also looking at the other side of that, like larger companies that have a lot of on-the-ground staff, like retailers and even logistics companies as well, are sort of now trying to traverse into creating uh, effective and appropriate cyber, cyber programs as well, simply because they know that what's important to perhaps a staff member on the ground could be fundamentally different to people working in head office, for example. And no one's sort of exempt from this as well. And I think also just to just to touch on that, that building great cyber culture programs is about understanding people, right? And it's a constant evolution and it's a task that's never really finished. And I think that as we've sort of, even with the pandemic sort of coming around as well, like how companies have really had to adapt, have, have had to change from traditionally and historically how we've treated cyber culture programs as well. Thanks, Chris. That's great. And uh, yeah, I can definitely agree that cyber culture is never finished. It's not a one and done, is it? It's something you've got to work at constantly um, with moving targets, which makes it interesting. No, you're absolutely right. And I think that sometimes perhaps people do look at it as a a once-off project. Mm -hmm. Uh, And maybe, I don't know, maybe because of that, like if you look at historically how a lot of cybersecurity practitioners or even IT practitioners in general uh, haven't really had to consider the psychology behind it. And I think that's sort of some of the challenges that we're seeing in the industry today that we've had to sort of retrofit some of the gaps and that really does come down to the human element. So I guess it's really important that we are talking on this podcast today because I think we haven't quite nailed what that algorithm looks like yet. And because human beings have emotions and feelings, it's not so easy to sort of configure how they respond to certain things as well. I absolutely agree. It can be a bit of a surprise sometimes. Uh, so you've got to put your psychologist hat on. So Tara, you mentioned at the start, and this is a nice segue, that employees are a critical part of a cyber safety strategy. Could you expand a bit on that thought? Essentially, to drive the right uh, cyber safety behaviours, employees really need to understand why cyber safety is important, what their responsibilities are, and then what the consequences of an incident may be. I think really making that relevant to individuals, as KB referenced, uh, depending on what their role is in the organisation, how that might present to them, and then what are the outcomes of that? If they're not operating with good cyber hygiene practices, what's the worst case result? Because for me personally, if I really understand what when something goes wrong, what is the outcome? So I think... You know, employees really understanding that and having the opportunity to, you know, be informed of those threats in a really meaningful way. I also think it's important that we, we're not focusing on using scare tactics or the stick or what your employees can't do. It's really important to be talking openly about what they can do to keep your businesses and customers safe and how they can play a really strong role in being the first line of defence against these threats Cyber safety guidelines and policies also need to be included 
as part of the human resource policies. So to protect your businesses, some of the policies that these should cover is a secure use of email and internet, that every touch point that connects employees to business data and the internet, and this includes all those devices, so computers, laptops, personal communication devices, mobile phones, tablets, remote access um, software, tokens, keys and applications, they need to be considered in that. And as we're, you know, since COVID, as we're now working more remotely, some of those become more used in a more daily um, occurrence. So the other really key thing, password and access to your business network and systems and application. Who needs to have access? How are individuals within your business using their passwords? What is the turnover? What is the complexity? What are their rules around that? Um, Working remotely and securely, how to protect business data, including backups, privacy and links to an incident management plan. It's really key to have, as part of the overall incident management plan for a business, that it includes cyber and what occurs if your digital assets are not able to be used. Um, And then what to do if a security incident happens, not, you know, so that you're prepared and then you're not kind of running around trying to understand what those next steps are. If if it's documented and tested, everyone really is clear on those next steps that would, you know, make sure that that disruption um, is reduced to the business. So if people don't have clear guidance on what actions to take, they will make assumptions in the moment. And those assumptions may not align with what the workplace expectations are. So making sure that the people who are working in your business are informed, they will have a better chance of responding in the right way or the safest way. Tara, I have a question on that for you, perhaps. You said before, uh, not sort of employing like scare tactics. Do you think that I've, I've sort of seen a decrease in that? Maybe I'm wrong uh, of, how, of how people are trying to gain that awareness. So I maybe have like like a few questions around this. So number one, why do you think people are doing that? Do you think it's just that it was just an, e- an easy leverage point by saying, oh, these are all the bad things that can go wrong type of thing? Yeah. And two, do you see a decrease as well? Yeah, so I don't, I don't necessarily think talking about a scare tactic of this is what can go wrong that I guess that's not the tactic I have in mind when I say that I think having a scare tactic or or having a conversation around the realities of the outcome of a Mm. cyber event is important when I'm talking about a scare tactic I mean some kind of compliance result on an individual who may have you know, unwittingly clicked a link or caused a cyber event to occur where there is some kind of punishment on them. People are informed about the worst case outcome. They're making decisions, informed, educated decisions about what's the actual result of that and how can I help in protecting the business. Yeah, definitely. And I think the thing that makes the most sense to me to strike a happy medium between, you know, being sensationalist and catastrophic, but, you know, having a compliance focus somewhere in the middle is using real examples to say, you know, this is a real case study that happened to a real business and talking through the impacts for them that might be financial, of course, reputational, um, but emotional, psychological. If anyone's ever worked through a security incident, those things are totally real as well. So sharing those examples and how they un- unfurl and, and the impacts of them, I think, can be really powerful too. Okay, so KB, we've touched on the importance of having an awareness program. What are some of the impacts for a business if their defences are compromised? Just leading on from my comment about case studies there, maybe. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's so many of them. And I think I was just talking earlier before we jumped on to record this, is that I was speaking to someone the other day and they said they're predominant they're an e-commerce company, so their whole businesses run online. They were they were dosed and so their website obviously was offline for thirty minutes. Now, thirty minutes doesn't sound like a long time, but if you're running your whole business through there, thirty minutes could be quite a substantial amount of revenue that was lost. And from memory I, I believe it was, because uh, they are quite at a large company operating out of the United States. Uh, so for them, that, that's one element of it. I think as well, from my point of view, is really that brand damage. You know, that's something that once you've sort of lost that in terms of the trust, and especially operating in Australia, Australia's a really trusting nation. So it's hard that if something goes wrong, it's going to be a bit of a difficult process on how to build back that trust. In saying that, however, there are mechanisms on how to build that back. I think from memory as well, some of the case studies that I've actually looked at, one of which was overseas, Norsk Hydro, uh, they did get breached. It handled the breach though. So having that constant uh, communication with their cl- uh, with their customers and their clients around this is what they're doing to remediate. I think some of the some of the bad things that you you can probably do is not say anything at all. And I kind of going back to the empathy point, I kind of get why people don't say anything because. It's not a straightforward thing to just answer because you've got a lot of people involved. You've got security involved. You've got legal involved. You've probably got the CEO involved, like how to respond. And I think going back to Tara's point earlier about having a plan, having processes and policies in place on how you would respond to something like that. I think also uh, there's so many different attacks that are coming to the fore, uh, coming to the four points now. And I think even since the pandemic, those attacks sort of did change. They're sort of like a bit more topical, for example. So of course, like phishing, when the pandemic came out, you sort of saw uh, phishing attacks that was related to that. Now with uh, the vaccines now being rolled out, you've got attacks around that. I think also business email compromise. So that's when criminals use email to abuse trust. In business process, in business processes to scam organisations out of money or goods, like that's another one as well, and that's pretty concerning because it's going to be really, really hard to determine if those funds are being transferred where they should be going. Uh, and so, I guess it's going to come down to having the correct processes in place. I think one of the things to remember here that it's not it's not a silver bullet solution. Like every company is different. Everyone's at different maturation stages. And I think, again, it's going to be how you plan to hopefully prevent, but no one's really exempt from any of these things at all. And I think we don't want to obviously scare people, which is part of what we've been speaking about today, but we want to just raise that awareness and get people to start thinking that this could happen to you. But again, it's about the planning, the processes and the policies and understanding that, human beings at the end of the day are still humans and they still uh, do make a lot of mistakes and they are ultimately the, the uh, weakest link. Yes, definitely. Uh, and that's the thing right, that makes it so interesting is that it only takes one person to click on a link in a phishing message or to um, not realise that an invoice has been intercepted and to make payment to a new account for things really to unravel. So um, I guess the approach that we've always taken is to say that our employees are our first line of defence and to try and empower them to uh, be that line of defence in the human firewall we hear about a bit as well. So Tyler, we've heard that you know having an awareness program should obviously be a priority. How would a business actually go about setting up a program like that and what might it look like in practice? 
Yeah, and I love what you just said. And I think about uh, individuals and businesses feeling empowered rather than afraid of, of what can happen. So I think the first thing I'd like to really make a point of here is that something is better than nothing when it comes to an awareness uh, program. So there's a number of cyber awareness activity initiatives that you can offer to grow a proactive security culture and they really don't need to be big budgets. So really regular and consistent communication can be the key to making awareness messages stick. This can be as simple as a monthly email to your team, to your department, to your organisation saying these are some of the emails that are phishing based that we've seen come across our desks this month. These are some of the indicators that we identified to call out that this was a suspicious message. You know, 50 people reported this to our IT team, which is fantastic. Uh, And it actually linked to a credential site which was looking to gather login passwords for our employees. So just something as simple as putting together an email like that and informing your staff of what other staff members have seen or what the IT team has seen coming through uh, can be really, really helpful just to start that awareness activity. I think it's also important to consider inviting interested employees to become part of a cyber security champion program. So there's a there's some people who are not interested uh, to talk about cyber security and it's like the, the bottom of their um, list, but there's a lot of people who are actually really personally interested in cyber security and are personally interested in this topic. Like, to be fair, it's mm-hmm, it's fairly like, sexy and fun, and a lot to uh, and a lot and very interesting. So we've found a lot of engagement of staff who were just willing to be part of it and champions of sharing um, cybersecurity messages. So it can be uh, using that network of em- engaged employees to share the message, and it might even be part of their career development. And these champions can help drive cybersecurity awareness initiatives for your employees. And it really builds a sense of ownership and joint collaboration that will help build an influential group of cyber safety advocates. So there's some ideas for raising awareness around cyber safety with employees. And that is, you know, providing helpful information and tips. So potentially you could build, you know, an online hub. And when I say hub, it could be a a SharePoint or an a Teams group or, you know, it doesn't have to be really sexy and sophisticated. It can just be using infrastructure that you already have. But building a bit of a hub where people know that is the place to go for cyber safety guidelines and tips. And you can point to that in that email that you send out regularly um, or by running internal cyber safety campaigns, which might just look like, you know, spot the fish who can uh, come back fastest to let us know what looks suspicious in this email. Um Or in the interim, if you don't want to potentially set that up for your business, there's there's a massive range of infrastructure that already exists by, you know, trusted corporate and government um, solutions or corporate and government entities. NAB is one of those. So we've got an amazing set of assets on nab.com.au security. We have articles and training and fraud alerts. So essentially, you could just look around and see what already exists that you could just utilise in your business. The other thing is leveraging current affairs. So 
we we hear it every day in the media. There's a new report of some cyber activity happening. So, you know, discussing those in open forum type conversation around what's happening with data breaches, hacking and other cybersecurity events and then understanding what that means for your business and having a talk with your team about what that would look like as a defence but also a response um, and what would be possible in your business. And also, you know, I mentioned before about reporting those uh, messages or anything that makes your staff members feel uneasy or think there might be some cyber threat. So make sure employees know where to go to report cybersecurity threats or incidents. So cybersecurity threats, when I say that, I mean phishing emails which come across or someone may be potentially social engineering calls coming into the business. So if somebody is confronted with this type of activity, how should they respond? Make sure they're informed that they will report any phishing messages to the IT team. If there's social engineering calls, what do they do? What details do they take down? Um, so just having a view of those types of activities and then also uh, making some learning compulsory. So if that is an option within your organisation, so early learning and assessment training sessions um, make them available or modules that employees must first complete in their first few weeks of starting at the business um, and then maybe annually just as a refresher to make sure that they're still up to date with those sorts of things. So there's from the very most basic sending an email out monthly to staff and having a conversation right up to the highest technical response to an, an awareness program which is having phishing uh, campaign tool and an official champs network like we have at NAB but wherever you sit within that spectrum there's tools that you can um, use there's ways that you can reach out to your staff just so that they're on board and they understand what's happening with cybersecurity. Great advice thank you Tara and definitely agree just starting the conversation with people is the most important part pick their interest and, and then go from there. So, KB, anything you'd like to add um, that businesses could consider for maturing their cyber culture and even making it fun, if uh, it's possible to say those two things go together? <laughs> uh, well, Tara had a very long list of things, but maybe I'll just dig a little deeper in a few of them. So, I think something that we discussed, I think Tara raised it earlier. So, explaining, so for example, when you're doing a cybersecurity awareness training, don't pick up a random USB and plug it in. However, a lot of the security awareness programs that I've seen doesn't really explain the why. And I had a CIO approach me a while ago and ask, like, why don't people get told why employees shouldn't be doing this stuff? And I think if you go back to the psychology side of things, human beings will probably be less likely to do things if they know why. I mean, some people won't, but I think that's something to, to factor in as you can create your awareness programs that explain the why people shouldn't be doing something. Uh, it's almost like when you say like don't touch something and then someone touches it it's just it's just how people are so I think if you can explore a little bit around uh, the ramifications of doing something perhaps that would that would um, tune in people's attention a little bit more I think on the communication side of things as well as Tara mentioned with the monthly emails one thing you can see here is to understand your leader's voice and having a sense of authenticity and being genuine about what you say. I've worked in organisations before when uh, emails have come out and I just could gauge that it was written by someone else perhaps. And I understand that people are busy, but if you could sort of do a bit of branding exercise around what are the, 
what's the tone of the voice of that leader? And I think that's something that's really, really important. Uh, so you know that there is that sense of genuineness as well. In terms of the communication side of things, using analogies and making it quite simple that people can understand and putting it in ways that are uh, uh, a bit more universal terms as well so that people, there's, there's sort of that common ground that people can uh, relate to as well. In terms of the communications, again, if you're, if you're emailing your security practice, perhaps you have a certain tonality around that as well. But if you're emailing people in finance and human resources, you need to understand what's really important to them. And I don't know if enough people are really thinking about that. It's really not just a paint everyone with the same brush type of approach. And I understand that it's a little easier to do like that, but you're likely to not get as good of an outcome unless you sort of dig a little deeper, perhaps even sending out questionnaires to really find out what's important to your employees, what makes them tick, what things that do they like doing and really gearing and architecting your content and your email and your communications really around that. I think that those are a few things that perhaps people easily miss that even just doing a little bit of an exercise internally to understand a little bit more about your employees and then engineering your content off the back of what excites them or even staying clear of things that are not relevant to them would actually move the needle quite substantially more than what people would realise. I think that's a great point, KB, and I th- that is where we found real value in our Champions program because we have individuals across a, a, a very wide range of business units, like NAB has a lot of staff and a lot of business units. By having Champions who are sitting in different areas who have different priorities and and different and you know potentially different personalities sorry I think my neighbor's like getting ready to go down to the racetrack um, by having those champions embedded into those different um, into those different areas and departments and being part of that they are able to extend their knowledge in a way that suits that business unit, in a way that suits those teams. So they are really sharing a common language um, and a common way of communicating with their teammates that potentially a nuanced message or or a non-nuanced message, so just a direct message from Mm -hmm. our team is delivered, but then they're able to really relay that information in a way, in a way, in a time and in a manner that they know best suits their business unit. So I think that's important is seeing how you can harness, you know, those different models um, to make sure that you are having good conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not like necessarily this is the method that's used. I think it's going to be bespoke for every organisation. Different types of people are working in those companies. So it's really hard to sort of say this is the this is the algorithm you need to follow. But I think even doing some rudimentary research around consumer buying, sociology, how people interact with other human beings, stuff like that, behavioural science, understanding that I think is a really easy way. And I mean, it's... It's going to take some time as well, so you can't be too hard on yourself thinking like I've researched for a day and I still don't have the answers. As we've all sort of said, it's an evolution. And I think starting there, understanding how human beings work and how they think, and it's a lot more complex as well. So I think that these are some of the easy things that people can start to do to employ to mature that security awareness and, and creating a really good cyber culture program internally. Uh, and reviewing it every so often and understanding like what perhaps 
what didn't work and getting people to be brutally honest with, with the intent of improving it. Yeah, definitely. And I think the power for me in the Champions Network is being able to amplify the message. So in a large organisation, you know, if I send out an email, uh, some people might read it, but not everyone will read it and we can't email everyone. Um, but if we send it to our champions and ask them to forward it on to their teams, it's then coming from someone they know. Maybe it's been adjusted or tailored for their context, uh, which is much more powerful, as we've been talking about, uh, than just a note coming out from on high from the, the security team. I was definitely the person that didn't read the emails, I was, but that, but I guess that's made me think about how can you get people to read the emails, right? Like I've used it as an advantage into how to write compelling uh, copy. Hey, Ben and Tara, thanks so much. These are really some great points for businesses and some easy ways that they can get started on their security awareness journey. Are there any final points or comments you'd like to add? Uh, KB, if you want to go first. Yeah, look, I think we've sort of gone into it as much as we can uh, due, to, due to time restraints. I mean, we could probably all talk about this for hours or days for that matter. But I think just having a really good starting point on doing the research, especially in the psychology space, uh, again, that we need to really understand human beings at a fundamental level and what, what makes them tick. So I think if you can start doing some research around that and then slowly but surely start to build out your communication strategy. And of course, if you've got leaders in your organization, starting to build out what their voice looks like in order to get the buy-in from people. And again, not doing things in a patronizing way either. People are gonna make mistakes. They are not the experts, they're not the practitioners. So I think being a little easier on how um, someone does make a mistake or how to approach them rather than sort of scolding them. Yeah, definitely agree there. And Tara, over to you for any final thoughts. Uh, thanks, Laura. It's been a great opportunity to chat and it's something I know we're all personally really interested in. Uh, I would say while you're, while you're going through that research and looking at, you know, the best ways to connect with your employees is even just, you know, starting to do a little bit of something is better than, uh, than not doing anything. So even if you're just starting a conversation with your employees, just around what they're seeing, how they would respond. It might just be in a casual format. Um, then, you know, I really encourage you to just consider what action you might be able to take if you don't have anything in place. But if, you, if you're if kind of stuck and you, you're not sure what, what you need to do, we have some great resources at nab.com.au forward slash security, including an actual article on employee awareness and some training programs that your staff could go through just as they come into your business, just so they understand the very basics of what cybersecurity looks like and those things that they should understand to make sure that your business is a hard target for cyber criminals. Wonderful. Thank you. And I always tell people, you know, if you're going to do one thing, share examples next time you get um, an invoice scam attempt or a scam phone call, share it with the team and talk about it. So, you know, you've told people how you want them to respond and they've seen real examples. So thanks both. It's been great having you on the podcast and thanks so much, Tara, for letting me host it. I hope I did you proud. Uh, so as Tara said, if you want to find out more on this topic, you can go to nav.com.au slash security or slash employee awareness and there's heaps of online free training and guides there as well. Thanks very much to you all. Thanks very much, Laura and Tara, for having me on the show today. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, thanks KB. KB. It's been fun. 
Well, that really was a lot of fun and nice to have the tables turned and be on the other side of the microphone. A very interesting experience and a big thank you to KB and Laura for joining us today to impart their wisdom and expertise into this subject. So listener, thank you so much for joining us today. You can, of course, find this and our other podcasts on episodes such as Business Email Compromise, Ransomware, Merchant Fraud and Scams and a whole range of topics at nab.com.au forward slash security podcasts. And we also have a massive range, as Laura mentioned, of articles, training, tools and tips at nab.com.au forward slash security. So thanks again for joining us today. We'll be back next month where we'll be speaking specifically around fraud and the fraud environment with Chris Sheehan, the executive for Group Investigations and Fraud with NAB. It's a really good one to look forward to. Please take care and stay safe.